the Rock. I'm Gav. Thanks. Thanks, man. I'm Ali. <laughs> I'm Joe. Dave. And I'm Austin. <laughs> and just like the Rock, we're cocked, locked, and ready to rock. Or should that be, we're cocks, locked down, and ready to review the Rock. That's exactly it. It is, isn't it? I think that is the most <laughs> descript, like the most apt description that we've ever had. I think. Seriously, though, if you've never heard this show before, then hold on to your chests because we're about to jab you with some heart pumping entertainment. I thought that would have got at least a pitiful. <laughs> you know what? Uh, essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest, a quiz, some average impressions, some questionable xylophone playing, some sound effects, and a whole lot of banter. So do stick around. Now, this week's film on trial is the 1996 action film, The Rock. Is it uh, Sean Connor free to roam, or is it Nicolas Caged in art? Less apt. Less apt, I would say. I was trying lockdown descriptions, but... Um, Forced I, it, I think. Yeah, I did, didn't I? I, 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 I yeah, I, I think I'm just going to sign off now, to be honest. I'm moving on to uh, Austin. Um, okay, so just to say, was, was that you trying to do a, a tumbleweed, by the way? Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. I was going to get a but I was too slow on the effects. <laughs> Okay, just to say that this will be a very spoilerific episode. So if you haven't seen The Rock yet, check it out. It's free if you have Sky Go or Now TV, or it's about three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. Um, which, if you're Alex, means it's also free because he uses my Amazon Prime account. Um, it's all free to me. <laughs> <laughs> do you know if you keep saying this, and eventually Amazon do listen in? Is is one of us? You know you. Or Alex going to get fined? I will get fined. I think if they did that, they'd have to find like two billion other people. (laughs) Also, they don't have my bank details. This is the main part of why I enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) They only have Gavs. So So your Amazon account is actually Gavs. (laughs) Exactly. As as a kind friend, lent my Amazon account details to Alex, who couldn't get a hold of a film that we were putting on trial one week. And he's... Criminally no, taking advantage of it. You came around once, we had a few beers, and you logged in and you just didn't log out. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't going to log out for you, was I? So, yeah, it just stayed on. Yeah, the good wife and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Around the <laughs> exactly. It's got me through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, uh, uh, what you can do is you can um, go away and watch the film, or you can uh, just and, well, and listen to this episode afterwards, or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by the lovely Alex, which will be around the 40 odd minute mark, I reckon. Uh, now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Cloud Atlas. Uh, now, I can't really think of a sound effect that perfectly sums up Cloud Atlas. So what about this one? What? <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is what I was asking myself throughout the entire thing. Um, so, uh, Dave, you judged that trial and you deemed that it should be placed on the shit list. You've since gone away and you've watched Cloud Atlas. What do you reckon? Do you think you made the right call? Yes. Yes, I definitely did make the right call. I think it was well sold to me by you guys. I think you, you gave me a good idea of what this film was about. It's it's an ambitious film, like we said all along. It's very brave. You know, I admire the Wachowskis in a way for trying to make it. In a, all the different parts of the film, it's well directed, well acted. All the little parts together are okay, but once you put them into one big mash, it becomes a mess. And it's too long and it's too divisive. And, you know, it, a brave move 
they tried something different, but not everything should be adapted. So, yeah, I think, unfortunately, it's too divisive to be a hit. Just maybe a bit too ambitious. Yeah, very much so. Very much so too ambitious. <laughs> yeah, we did, co- like we did cover that a little bit in the argument. <laughs> yeah, ambitious was the key word of the day last time, yeah. I think if you want to go back and listen to the Cloud Atlas episode, you could probably play a drinking game. You have a sip every time <laughs> you mention the word ambitious, you'll probably be absolutely bladded by the end of it. Um, okay, well, thank you very much uh, for that summary, Dave. On to the book of today's show. Um, now, this week's film, as I mentioned before, is The Rock. Hang on, I don't know where this is going to go. Wait for it. No, I'm not going to lie. Was, that didn't go well. <laughs> I thought that was played with a lot of conviction. I just had no you. idea what it was. That, that, well, you know, that's what I was going for. At least if I've got the conviction part down, then, you know, hopefully I won't embarrass myself too much. Did anybody uh, at least guess what the hell I was trying to do? Um, was it the Vanga Boys? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I thought, what song perfectly encapsulates the film, The Rock, rock. and it's the Vanga Boys is coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to be, I want to rock by uh, Twisted Sister. I think is it, is it Twisted Sister, Dave? It's Twisted Sister. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, it obviously wasn't that, was it? So let's just move swiftly on and pretend that none of that actually ever happened. Uh, now, um, this uh, week's film, as uh, as always or most of the time, was picked out of the hat at random and was suggested to us by our fantastic graphic designer Winston, who says this film makes me rock hard. Okay, Winston, bit too much information. Maybe uh, leave that out next time. Um, anyway, you can follow our fantastic graphic designer, Winston, on Instagram and or Twitter uh, at the underscore quirks. Check him out. His work is superb. Anyway, all of the roles similar to the film have been picked out of the hat at random. So in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Dave and Alex. Now, Dave is a little bit like Nicolas Cage's Stanley Goodspeed. He's really into his music, and at the moment he has to wear a hazmat suit when he goes to the office. And, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be topical. Uh, obviously, it's not working. I need to stay to gutter humour. Uh, anyway, Alex is just like Sir Sean Connery. He's bald! Hey. He's bald! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Why am I not surprised, you piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> so hang on, hang on. Is that every time now? I don't know what you're all about me. Is that going to be every time? <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? It's a it is. Maybe it was internally. Anyway, uh, acting as prosecution <laughs> trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be me and Ozzy. I'm a little bit like Ed Harris's General Hummel. At any moment, I could be responsible for the release of gases that could prove deadly to those in close proximity. And Ozzy is just like Sir Sean Connery's John Mason. Usually a very dapper chap, but lockdown life has left him looking like Bigfoot's younger, hairier brother. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, just like real court advocates, we'll be making the best case for our roles. These may or may not be our genuine opinions, though. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear our real thoughts. Which means this week, Joel has the most important job as he'll be playing the judge. Now, Joel is a little bit, well, I will say a little bit, he's a lot like Michael Bay. He absolutely loves explosions and sausage fest movies. 
<laughs> I'm, an, I'm an outrun Joel hey? is that the <laughs> most apt description that we've ever given you I think you're wrong to be honest because if it's a sausage fest then it's missing one important component from, <laughs> from the film <laughs> anyway moving on uh, now Joel must decide which list this film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion uh, now before we get started I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what the film is about so let us spin the wheel of impressions Okay, now here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it's landed on Alex. Oops, pressed another uh, sound effect there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <that's>, uh, <laughs> I honestly didn't mean to press the vomit button when I mentioned that. It's landed on Alex. Uh, how would we like Alex to read out the synopsis? Here? Come on, if it's not Sean, then what are we doing? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Got to be Cage or Connery, and I'm thinking Connery. Yeah. Con- I've done Cage before. Um, I'll mm, do yeah, Connery. Yeah. A mild-mannered chemist and an ex-con must lead the counter-strike when a rogue group of military men, led by a renegade general, threaten a nerve g- gas attack from Alcatraz against San Francisco. You had a bit of uh, Hunt for Red October towards the end of that one. <laughs> I was thinking more when he played that um, Spanish uh, dragon, what was that in? <laughs> Spanish dragon? It's dragon. Dragonheart. I think you're oh, confusing yeah, yeah, Dragonheart with Highlander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not just he confusing played, him. Putting he played them a together, Spaniard you know? in Highlander and he played a dragon <laughs> in Dragonheart. Spanish dragon. Dragon at the end of Highlander. <laughs> and maybe he watched it in Spain as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Joel, would you please like to kick off proceedings? Uh, yeah, certainly would. So, it's, it's been a while since I've watched this film. I used to watch it. Um, with my dad when we only had four channels on TV, uh, what <laughs> oh. days they were. Um, so I know it kind of revolves around Alcatraz. That's literally the only thing I can remember. So uh, just a defense one and give me just a brief kind of overview of what I'm imagining is a pretty uh, you know complex plot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most intricate plot to a Michael Bay film ever. That's actually probably not, not wrong, actually. It probably is the most intricate plot in a Michael Bay film. Um, you were missing out. Only four channels. I remember when Channel 5 came out. This was on, like, every week on Channel 5. <laughs> <laughs> and for good reason. This um, It's one of those classic 90s action films. It could be one of the best 90s action films, to be honest with you. It's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who obviously we all know is, like, one of the master producers of the blockbuster movie. Uh, I think it's the last film he made with Don Simpson as well, who was his produce, uh, producing partner. They worked on Days of Thunder together, and pretty much every Jerry Bruckheimer film before then had had Don Simpson helping him. It's the last one they made before Don Simpson passed away. The film's dedicated to his memory. Um, and Michael Bay was brought in to direct this film. Now, I'm not a big Michael Bay fan normally, but what a choice of director this was. He was the perfect man to helm this film. Essentially, what you have is you've got an American uh, military general goes rogue, and boy does he go rogue. He uh, steals VX poison gas missiles with this team of Marines. He takes hostages. Uh, that was a tourist group on Alcatraz. <laughs> this is true, Gav. This is all true. I, I giggling I, I, isn't an argument. No, no, we've got to stop this giggling <laughs> while other people are talking. It's rude. I am not giggling. All I'm saying is I admire how it's straight-faced Dave is delivering this story. Uh, you're giggling. Gav, you're giggling say, to yourself. What did this guy do to have this film dedicated to his memory? 
Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, knowing Don Simpson, he would have been flattered. <laughs> but yeah, so he takes over Alcatraz, gets some hostages, and Sean Connery uh, plays a former inmate of Alcatraz, the only man who have ever escaped from Alcatraz, and he is recruited by Nicolas Cage's FBI uh, chemical weapons specialist to lead him and a team of Navy SEALs into Alcatraz, free the hostages, defuse the rockets, save the day. Things go awry. The Navy SEALs are wiped out on arrival. So it's just Connery and Cage left to sort this problem out for everyone. This is one of the best action films you will have seen from the 1990s. It is Michael Bay at his best. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an absolute gem of a film. Okay, so it sounds like a relatively exciting plot to me, Gav. Have you got um, something to disagree with there? Yeah, Dave's probably massively misremembering. It probably wasn't on every week on Channel 5. It's just so I watched formulaic. it two nights ago. <laughs> it's just so formulaic and just stereotypical of like a 90s action film that it just seems like you've seen it a million times when really you've probably just seen every other one. This film is just cut and paste 90s action. The film relies solely on the action and special effects to cover up bad dialogue, a poor script and weak characters. And that action is fast-paced, gratuitous, over the top and never fucking ending to the point of exhaustion. It's the equivalent of jangling a set of keys in front of a baby. You know, it, it, there's just no substance to it at all. You know, Dave Babies love that. They absolutely <laughs> love that. It's like their favorite thing to happen. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. I'm just saying that this film is just overly cliched. Every sort of action film trope that you can think of in the 90s and probably the 80s as well occurs in this film, and it is done very poorly. Okay, um, Alex. I mean, it was it, this was done in '96, right? So you can't say that this takes tropes of the '90s. This is a '90s action film, so it's one of the reasons we have these tropes is because of films like The Rock. It's an absolute classic action film of that time. It's exactly what, you know, it's exactly that. It's a great action film from the 90s. It's not exhausting. It, this isn't like one of Michael Bay's films like Transformers, where you genuinely just can't want to close your eyes because the action is just overbearing. This film does have quiet bits. It ramps up the action. It knows what it's doing. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, you know, Gav's saying it's just too much and, you know, it's got really, you know, a terrible script and bad dialogue. I'm not going to say The Rock has, like, the, a heartwarming <laughs> script that's going to bring tears to your eyes. But it has good lines. It has great little point, uh, punchy dialogue that, you know, that's what you need in an action film. If you think of 90s action, The Rock is right there at the top for me as one of the best of its kind. So it, it can't... How can it be copying tropes when it's the film that put those in place or how or it was part of that time okay um Ozzy, you haven't um you know you probably didn't see that many 90s action films so you you may be good you know well placed to say um whether you thought it was original or not what do you think well i haven't seen that many 90s that many films generally but um but i'm pretty positive that the needle thing that comes like straight out of tarantino's pulp fiction uh, and I'm fairly <laughs> certain that the Mexican standoff with the guns is pretty much Reservoir Dogs straight out of that. And um, and the rest of it just feels like a bit like a diehard ripoff. Okay. So, um, so I'm going to say there's at least three films that it's robbed scenes from straight okay. out. And so, it's probably more. Well, it's, it's, it's funny that Austin should mention that because uh, a bit of trivia is that Quentin Tarantino had... Uh, um, he, uncredited he script, yeah, uncredited script supervision on this, as well as Aaron Sorkin 
uh, of all people. Like, <laughs> this film had about five or six different writers over, you know, a number of periods. You know, this is this film went uh, unmade for a while. Loads of different directors had their hands on it at some point, uh, uh, kept on backing out. And the, but the thing is, is, is you can tell when you're watching it, it just feels like it's been overwritten and over overly complicated. Like to the to, you know the point where not, none of it really. What, is... What's complicated about it? What did you not get? <laughs> in the rock? Do you know what I mean? What was what was too complicated for you to understand? Which bit? I'll take. I'll talk you through it. Which bit Please. didn't you get? Right, firstly, okay, when uh, General Hummel arrives on Alcatraz and he says to that group of children, he's like, uh, well, tell your teacher that you want to leave right now, go back to San Francisco. Yeah. And that it's essentially should tell us that, you know, he's he's not that bad a guy because he's trying to save these children. But yeah, yeah he's sending them back to the city of San Francisco where he's going to send the missile directly. No, because he's not, he's, <laughs> no, he's 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 not going to send the missile. No, because he's bluffing. No, he's not going to send the missile. He's, he's, he's bluffing all along. Anyway... So, I'm sorry, what didn't you get? What, what was too complicated? Really, a lot. That's a wholly different thing. What didn't you get? I feel, I feel like we've already descended into personal attacks here. So. I, I, I misspoke, and what I meant to say is that like it's too jumbled. You know, it's it just feels like different people have written it. It feels like different styles and flows. You know, like especially if we talk about characters, uh, Stanley Goodspeed as a character feels like he's been written by four different people because you know it's a constant roller coaster, not in a good way. It's just essentially. It's, 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 it's like uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's got multiple characters. It's, it, you know, it's, it's not very well written. Okay, so the part we've had very much two different sides of the coin there. What about the uh, kind of direction here? So well, obviously we know what Michael Bay is, um, is very much famous for, uh, especially since that film. Uh, so how was this film directed? Was it shot well? You know, when I think of Alcatraz, obviously there's a lot of, um, sorry, there isn't a lot of you know scenery to play with. Really, it's on an island. Um, so, how does he kind of keep you, um, you know, interested in the film and and that type of thing, uh, Alex? So you don't get, you know, the the island is set up pretty quickly, but you don't spend the entirety of the film on the island. It's about the last hour is the sort of the culmination of it of it all coming together. I, I think just before we like go too far on as well, I just want to say that the setup to this film is really, really well done. It's really like the the the, the way they talk about the VX gas and the way they show you that it's actually very shocking. They, when they storm the base at the start, one of the canisters drops and a guy is trapped in the uh, in the base. And you know, it's a very quite a powerful little bit where you actually find out about that the gas is very um, toxic. And, and like its effects and that and how it's a very dangerous thing. And also you find out a little bit about the, you know, the, the criminals who are sort of like proper upstanding Americans. I think that the, the, the whole sort of um, the action in the film and, and sorry, I forgot your question, Joel. I just went off on a tangent and forgot okay, direction, so, mate. How's the direction? Sorry. Yeah, so yeah, my sorry. question was about the direction. So linking that into the direction, you know, it, it, it does jump around quite a lot. Like Gav said, it's not it's Michael Bay. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it's long, slow shots of a San Francisco Bay, but it does know when to slow it down. So it does have the times when you're in San Francisco and you're having car chases. So it doesn't get boring just being on the island. It feels like you're in different locations all the way through. You're in the sewers, you're going in, and you so you're at different places. So it's never boring. If that answers your question, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Alex. I just completely forgot what you said as well. <laughs> um, so, Gav, I think you want you have something to say there. Yeah, it's over the top for the sake of it. It's Michael Bay, obviously, as Alex even admitted before. It's not very well. I, I do directed. admit it is Michael Bay. I will give you. I will, con- I will concede that Michael Bay directed this film. <laughs> this is typical Michael Bay. This is Michael Bay when he was young and eager. You know, uh, like there's just explosions for explosions' sake. There's a, there's a car chase that's sort of like I, I completely forgot that it was in it when I watched it again. I was like, why is this car chase even in it? You know, uh, John Mason's trying to uh, you know, drive away from the FBI, and then he makes a stop to go and see his daughter, um, and the whole while Nicholas Cage is Stanley Goodspeed is, is chasing after him it just feels very unnecessary and it culminates in the explosion of a tram it comes off of his tracks and fuck me that tram explosion is filmed over and over and over again they must have blown up at least four trams or at least had 20 different cameras pointing at it it's just gonna say it's more likely they had 20 different cameras (laughs) rather than 20 different trams (laughs) (laughs) can we just get some more cameras no no we just got one camera we need more trams Michael Bay loves explosions that much I wouldn't put it past him he probably blew up every single tram that San Francisco <laughs> they probably suffered worse than the earthquake. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the gunfights um, between the Marines and General Hubble's men. Um, yeah, so there's this scene, as Alex alluded to before, where the, the Marines come through the sewers. They enter Alcatraz, but they set off a, a tripwire which alerts General Hummel's men, and they uh, basically all stood around and they're ready to shoot them. That scene, uh, it's it's a bit of a standoff, and it results in the Marines all getting shot. It's like if Danny Boyle had filmed the Normandy beach landing bit in Saving Private Ryan whilst he was dropping acid. It is all over the place. It is honestly, it is relentless. Like, and then uh, right after that, you know, the, the General Hummel's men realised that there's two guys in the suit rather than going down and, I don't know, shooting them, they decide to drop a grenade. And then after that, there's a grenade fight where people are just throwing grenades at each other back and forth. And then there's like a car chasing, like in a little right. mine. Joel, Joel, I just want you to say, what about that doesn't sound like it's form? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What about that? People throwing grenades at each other? There's like bombs going off in sewers? There's shootouts in the thing? But, no, you know, it, so, it does sound form. The thing is, is that, Every one of these set pieces isn't just like uh, done, like as you know, I mentioned before about Spielberg. It isn't just filmed uh, well, and you know, it's, it's almost like it's filmed for you to enjoy yourself. It's like overly edited, massively chopped here and there, different angles, repeating the same thing over and over again. And the angles are very tight as well, like the zoom ins, the shaky cams, overdubbed uh, as well. So that uh, all of the noise and sound effects are like an eardrum bursting level. All the while, this music is just swelling. It just feels very overly directed. Can I say something on the music? Sorry, while you're out there. Because that, for me, that was probably the most cliche thing of all of it was the music. It felt like every... Uh, like if, if I can't even think what films it was, it's like, but it, it, it seemed like Hans Zimmer was just going through the motions with that. That was like, it could have been, could have been any action film. It was the most... It was just drivel. Like, it was so cliche. In terms of in terms of music, and yet it was at a, a blistering ear blistering level throughout, just to try and keep your uh, keep your, your your eyes on the screen, essentially. It was okay, so, uh, so much I'll, I thought uh, my PS4 was going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll, I'll throw it over to Dave now. So, Dave, what do you think um, on those action sequences, and also 
uh, on the music. Do you agree with what with what Austin said there when it's just not very generic? Not at all. Not at all. This is Hans Zimmer at his best. It's got that typical Hans Zimmer style now at his best, definitely. <laughs> this it probably seems a little generic now because Hans Zimmer, uh, his career his career blew up in the in, after the millennium. He did Pirates of the Caribbean. He's done so many blockbusters since then, and he has a very distinctive style. Uh, so you probably feel like when you watch The Rock now, it's like, oh, I've heard all this before. And it's like, you have done since. But at the time when this came out, this was mm. a great score from Hans Zimmer. This was an original score from Hans Zimmer. It's like, you know, you listen to John Williams scores. You can tell it's a John Williams piece. You know, he's got the same sort of arrangements in them, but it doesn't mean that they're bad scores by any stretch or that John Williams is a bad composer. They just have a signature that's in there. So I think the score is fantastic. With regards to the direction, one of Michael Bay's, Kind of, kind of his go-tos is is a close-up shot. Now that annoys a lot of the actors he works with. You know they don't like uh, the camera being right in their face. They like to be able to act with the rest of their body as well. And it's when he started doing that for action sequences that's when it became a problem. At the point that he made The Rock, he was still doing long shots for action sequences. It wasn't an issue. I see what Gav's saying. There are the close-up shots, but of dialogue where it's not uh, it's not a problem. It doesn't detract from the film. And his action sequences are actually well-directed for him. I think he got worse as time went by, Michael Bay. I think he actually started off doing some pretty fresh uh, shooting on the action sequences. And he yeah. got the best out of his cast as well. And Gav was talking about all these different writers that have been a part of it. I, I beg to differ. A lot of them were brought in to help the actors uh, make the dialogue their own. They had basic dialogue in the script, and like Sean Connery brought in two guys to help him write the dialogue. Nicolas Cage was allowed to improv pretty much every line he did. Michael Bay let the actors do what they wanted to do to make the characters their own, and that's why the characters are so fleshed out. And the last thing I want to say about the sound is it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Sound. So, you know, even though I know we don't really, you don't really uh, hold the Oscars in high regard, but people in the industry thought that they did a good job with the sound recording on this and the sound mixing and sound editing so okay um so i think just as you mentioned that um point about the dialogue dave literally everybody put the hand up at once <laughs> so, so ozzy i'll go I'll, I'll go to you first whatever point Fair, you want to make first thing in the mid 90s uh all sound engineers were obsessed with making things as loud as possible so there's a good chance that's why it got nominated uh the second thing, I forgot what it was, so I'm going to let Gav do his thing about that. <laughs> just, just <laughs> new, that yeah, okay. So, so Gav, do you want to say, Ozzy? Because he's just messaged, he was saying that the, uh, there was a motif used in this film that uh, it was essentially recycled later on for Pirates of the Caribbean. I will say that I went for I went to go and see a retrospective of Hans Zimmer's, uh, Hans Zimmer's work, uh, where they played all of his famous pieces, and it was like two hours long and The Rock wasn't in there, probably because it is so fucking generic. Like, I, 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 the only way I can describe this music is if Bruce Springsteen draped in an American flag was playing a guitar, which was also a machine gun on the back of a bald eagle. It's essentially Man. just like that. Love that. I would love that. I genuinely love that. What, Gav, what Gav just said. I, 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 would, I, would just, I would just say that, like, I think Dave's point is really important that basically a lot of the stuff that you could throw up against Michael Bay now this is when he was back in his earlier career and he was sort of keeping the lid on it and he had a bit more, he had a few more people saying like, no, Michael, you can't do that. You know, so it was a bit more when he was becoming famous. And like the music, yeah, I'm not going to say there's like a, a famous track off the rock that you're going to be humming to yourself. But honestly, that that's quite rare that that happens anyway. It's just a very good soundtrack to go for an action film. You're not going to come away thinking, wow, this is generic music. You're just going to be listening to it and enjoying it. It's, it's you know, it's not outstanding, incredible soundtrack, 
but it also doesn't like at all detract from the film. I mean, do do you notice it's there? You know, a lot of the no. times, you know, yeah. unless it's something like Suicide Squad where it's yeah, you know, it's in like now ninety five in the background. So a lot of the times for me, I don't yeah. massively pay attention in action films. I mean, what do you think, Dave? It's it's not a jukebox soundtrack at all. It's all original music, all originally scored, and it complements the film very well. And I think it is distinctive. I think if you know we do uh, the film quiz at Fact Cinema every now and again in Liverpool, and if this if the soundtrack to The Rock came on in the sound round there, I guarantee every one of us around that table would be able to pinpoint that this was The Rock soundtrack. It's distinctive in its own way. You know, you'd be amazed how distinctive it truly is. Okay, Gav. We probably all just look around and go like, well, this sounds like generic 90s shit. It must be the rock. <laughs> I, I feel like I have heard you say that before. <laughs> <laughs> can I, can I uh, say about uh, dialogue, um, please? You certainly can. Thank you very much, esteemed judge. Um, uh, I would have to argue with a point that Alex made before, is saying that it was a very good setup at the beginning to what VX gas is. Uh, now, one of my pet peeves about films is like lazy expository dialogue that sets things up or like overly explains something. And there was just so much of it in here. Everything with the VX gas, the chemical weapons check at the lab, uh, every time a character is introduced, especially all Hummel's men and the Marines, Hummel explaining the nefarious plan to his soldiers after they've arrived at the island when they probably already know in the middle of his plan Michael Bean explaining that he's cutting the motion sensor laser while he's doing it. You know, I, I, I can accept some of it, like uh, at the beginning when the Pentagon chiefs are explaining Hummel's backstory. But there's just so much like unsubtle, sloppy shit setups and exposition rather than the writers and director taking some time to write some decent dialogue. One of the, uh, it, it's just all the time. Uh, one of the worst offenders for me is when Mason meets his daughter for the first time. The dialogue is just so incredibly poor. She says something along the lines of you're my dad. You had a one night stand with my mom at a Led Zeppelin concert. Obviously, you know, he's going to know that, right? And obviously that's just for our benefit. But it's like you could have just written something a little bit better, couldn't you? A little bit more delicate. It's like Michael Bay thinks his audiences are stupid and he has to spell everything out for them. And then uh, in, in contrast to that, there's like the shit, cheesy 90s action movie dialogue, which is in every other scene. You know, Womack learning that, that one of the country's most decorated military personnel has gone rogue and is taken hostages and is threatening to blow up San Francisco. He's, the first thing he says is, well, I guess Alcatraz is reopened for business. You know, it's like <laughs> nobody would react that way. And then there's like... No, you're, you're right. In, in a real, the real case. FBI director well, would probably not have reacted that way to learn... <laughs> That an army person had overtaken Alcatraz <laughs> with chemical weapons and was going to fire it on the population of San Francisco. What would he have said in that place? <laughs> but you know what, I think? what would the head of the FBI have said in that place? I, I, I just I think I wonder, to make it realistic. To make it gritty and realistic. <laughs> you might, might want to just add a little bit of levity to the whole situation. You know, it's like, guys, this is pretty bad, but... I've got a good pun. Exactly. <laughs> to be honest with you, when we... that is good dialogue. That is what you need at that moment. You need a little bit of levity. You need it to, to go up. That's exactly why they've chosen to do that. You know, so I feel like you, you're having a go at it. But really, if you didn't have that, it'd be too dark. So, I mean, that is the choice they've made. Now, I, I thought it was it... more because his, his audience is 13-year-old boys. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it's aimed at. Yeah. Is there any boobs in the film? <laughs> No, no, no. there's only one female character. Um, and she, well, it can't be a 13-year-old voice, and I say. 
it's, it's a couple of old men who get quite close at one point. There's a bit. There's. I'm not. Again, I'm not going to like defend the dialogue. There's this bit where like Nick Nicholas Cage um, says Stanley Goodspeed. Sorry, says um, I'll do my best. And like you know, put Mason turns to him and says, "Do your best." Uh, lose, losers always whine about doing their best. Winners go home and fuck the prof queen. And like, like Stanley, <laughs> it's awful. Stanley, can you, can you do it in the actual voices to be uh, the following uh, uh, Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. And like. <laughs> Uh, Stanley Goodspeed goes, Carla, what's the prom queen? He's like, you know, he's, he's girlfriend. <laughs> and, you know, Mason's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I respect you now. Who's the prom queen? You know, goodness me. You're a man. You know, it's ridiculous. I'm not going to say, wow, that is just such, like, so, so, so insightful into their character's dialogue. But it's still something that I talk about with my mates a lot, and we still laugh about it. And we still, you know, right then I just said it, and we're all pissing ourselves. You know, it's not taking it seriously it's fun though you know i think we were more laughing at your like lord of the rings accent to be honest <laughs> uh, i i, I what, what one thing that i think then is that maybe action films have just moved on so much that like going back and watching the rock after you've watched something like you know avengers endgame or uh you know john wick or whatever when the action's great and they don't have that auto cheese in there it just feels a little bit like oh you know it just it doesn't feel as good i, I don't know what it's it, well obviously i do know what it is it's because it's lazy and shit, you know, and we've just <laughs> moved on and become a lot better with telling stories. And, you know, not every, like when you watch a James Bond film of, you know, the 21st century, and then you go back and watch a Roger Moore James Bond film, not every like explosion or death has to end with a, a quip. You know, it just doesn't work. Okay. So that kind of quite nicely brings me on to the, um, to the last point here of the characters and the actors. So I'll throw it over to you, Dave. Obviously we've got, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage, which kind of sounds like both a dream team and a nightmare team in in, <laughs> in, in one. Uh, so, what are the performances like here, and what is the is the casting like? Is it is it done well, or is yep. it um, horse manure? <laughs> the casting is superb uh, I see what you mean, Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery that could have been a recipe for disaster happily, like I said with Michael Bay this was the 90s and they were still good back then so this actually <laughs> <laughs> this actually worked this actually hey, we worked we haven't yeah. seen Sir Billy yet Dave, it might be amazing <laughs> <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair I think Sean Connery was bad and he was getting good again in the 90s whereas they were on opposite trajectories I think <laughs> <laughs> well, Nicolas Cage was certainly on the crest of a wave. I think he'd recently just won a uh, Best Actor at the Oscars for um, Leaving Las Vegas. But he was. This is Nicolas Cage at one of his on one of his best uh, days. To be honest with you, he's writing a lot of his own dialogue. It's zany. It's crazy. I mean, uh, Gav was saying about the uh, the dialogue being the fault of Michael Bay, and Michael Bay is just the director. He didn't write the dialogue. He didn't write the the, the script or the scenes. And uh, he, like I say, he allowed a lot of the actors to improvise their own things. So the characters that you get are fully fleshed out. And the actors are very much in tune with them, working with Michael Bay and allowing the characters to develop. Uh, sorry, allow the actors to develop their own characters is paid dividends because you've got these fully rounded characters that you genuinely like and can get behind. Even in the case of the film's villain, uh, played by Ed Harris, Francis Hummel, he is you know, very um, stoic. As, as Ed Harris is good at playing, he's very good at playing stoic, serious military figures. But Hummel has these layers that you wouldn't expect really from a 90s villain a 90s action film should just have uh i don't know like tommy lee jones in under siege you know some kind of like cackling madman at the helm uh, francis hummel is a completely different kettle of fish he is a very 
well-rounded character insofar that he's actually got a good cause. He's not just doing this for the sake of money, although he is extorting the U.S. government. He's doing it for a good cause and to give this money back to the families of uh, soldiers that have died overseas. They weren't given a military funeral. They weren't even acknowledged that they died in the line of in the line of service. Uh, so this is um, this is his cause that he's uh, fighting towards, that he wants to get these the government to finally pay up and acknowledge these men that have died under while working underneath him. So it's actually um, a very good character in that regard, and a very interesting character, one that you um, one that a nineties action film you'd say doesn't really deserve, but that's why Rock is better than most. Okay, um, Ozzy, again, you know, as we touched on, you haven't seen too many nineties action films. What did you think of the? of the casting choices here and um, the performances in particular. We, we haven't really touched on uh, Ed Harris much until Dave mentioned in there. What did you think of, of the villain? Was he like kind of typical 90s? I, well, no, I don't think he was typical 90s. It, it, I, I, in actual fact, I think in some instances, Dave's completely right, is that some of the characters work work brilliantly. Ed, Ed Harris, for example, I think is good. You can you see him and you think, you know what, actually... He's got, a, you know, it's not not a cause I would particularly stand behind, but you know, he's doing it for good reasons. He feels like <laughs> <I'd stand> <laughs> <Mass genocide. laughs> but you know, he's uh, he's doing it for a cause because he's uh, he's had to lead men into battle, and no one, you know, he's being let down by his government. So it's time yeah. for payback, you know, because he and, and I think he he does it with a lot of conviction, and it's set up relatively well from from his point of view I, I think he's he's good he comes you could well and truly believe that he is an army general um nicholas cage however there is no way i can believe that he is a chemical genius <laughs> <laughs> or even an fbi agent you know and 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 i think what dave's saying as well about the the dialogue and being allowed to improvise i think that's great if you've got good you know, you've got actors who've got skill as writing characters. However, Nicolas Cage is the same character in this as he is in almost every other Nicolas Cage film I've seen. And, you know, and the pinnacle of that was gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the same character in this. And there's no way I can believe that a car thief is, is you know, is a chemical expert. And, and he, it's just, it's, it's honestly, I, I feel like it works in some instances. You know, Sean Connery's got a lot of experience. So he's got a lot of characters to draw from to be, to be his character. Um, yeah. And I think Sean Connery's character comes across as someone who's got some depth to it. Nicholas Cage just though does not, not like by a long, long way. And, and it just is jarring against each other. I think that's part of the problem is that if you've got a, if a film's properly written, the characters have balance between them, whereas in this they don't. Some of them look seem quite well written, and some of them don't. But you know they're all meant to be main characters, so it's it's a bit of a it's a bit off putting when you've got someone who's got a, a, quite a, a you know a bit of mystery to them in the Sean Connery aspect, and then you've got fucking weedy Nicolas Cage chemistry badass like going back okay. to to, to do um, the prop king. So, so I'm going to let Alex and Gav speak before we before we wrap it up. But I'll go over to Alex first. Um, so, Alex, your opinion on the um, on the casting and the characters? I think the casting and characters are fantastic. Like, I I think Sean Connery was a masterstroke. I mean, I love Sean Connery, but I think he was a he's he's really well cast in this. You know, an action star in his day. You know, it's the perfect one you need. He, he's got the sort of physicality to to carry it through, and you know, he, again, like he is he's, he's he is. I really do like him as an actor, Sean Connery, and he does bring a lot to this role. What you know, about as a person? Was, 
as a person, maybe, you know, he's a little, <laughs> there's been moments, there's a few YouTube videos that call it into question, but he, <laughs> he, you know, and Ed Harris as well, like, um, as he said, is, is really, really interesting. Tony Todd, let's not forget, there's a really great um, supporting <laughs> cast. There's a really great support. There's a really great supporting cast all through this. What's his name? That Xander Berkeley is in it as well. As there's loads of little people who are in this. So you'd be like, oh yeah, you know that guy. You know that guy is in this and this and this. So it's really, really well cast all the way through. It's layered all the way through. Um, the, what I think is the best thing about the characters, though is that this isn't your standard, and this is where it really goes away from what Ozzy and Gav have been trying to say, which is this is just your standard 90s schlock, right? These aren't Russians, do you know what I mean? These aren't like, you know, people, These the enemies aren't them going like, yes, we will take over your San Francisco. You know, it, it's there's a bit more to it, and it's, it's almost like it's answering that question, what's the only thing tough enough to take down an American? Another American, do you know what I mean? And like, it, <laughs> but, and that's and that's what it's going for. It's saying, you know, it's 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 Americans against Americans, and that's what makes the film really interesting, and exactly what makes Ed Harris's character really interesting because it actually gives him a little bit of a moral problem to play with throughout the film. So, really well cast. Last thing I say is just, you know, Aussie. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that this is the performance that Cage should have got a second Oscar for. Do you know what I mean? But he, he <laughs> plays he it. Got his actual Oscar taken. From <laughs> <laughs> he plays it comic because Ed Harris and um, Ed Harris is playing it. You know, subtle. Uh, you know, Sean Connery is playing it sort of like brooding and you know, screwed over in his past life. And Tony Todd's just playing it really, really menacingly and well, isn't he, Gab? So. <laughs> So I just, you know, I, I just think, I don't think Gav can argue with all of those points, especially Tony Todd. Okay, so Gav, I'm quite interested to hear what derogatory words are going to come out of your mouth next. Listen, Tony Todd is a saint, right? And <laughs> Tony Todd and Xander Bailey, who would have thought that The Rock would have been the Candyman's uh, reunion that we wrote? <laughs> <laughs> Um, all I'm going to say right, is that I think that Sean Connery and Ed Harris do a, a decent job in this. I think that uh, Ed Harris is a fantastic actor and his character, as you know, Dave and Alex mentioned before, has got a bit more to it than most sort of uh, cut and paste bad guys from the 90s. What ruins it for me is, as I mentioned before, Nicolas Cage's character. Watching it earlier today, I was like, I just don't understand why Nicolas Cage's character is in it at all. I mean, I think they tried to do something different with the VX gas, but it could have not been gas quite easily. It could have just been another weapon of mass destruction. And you would have had a much more interesting story if it would have just been uh, Sean Connery's John Mason versus General Hummel. You know, you've got two people who are are a similar age or, you know, much older and, you know, they're from opposite ends of, uh, of the spectrum when it comes to, um, uh, you know, the, the situation. And he's, he's a cypher, isn't he? He's, a, he's, a, he's your ordinary man, so you can no, relate no, to, no, you relate no, no, to Stanley. No, he's, not, he's not, that's the thing. Like, as I mentioned before, about too many cooks spoiling the broth, uh, his character's completely overwritten. It's all over the place. He starts off as this laid-back, slacker-type figure, and he ends that way as well. You know, he, he starts playing a guitar at the beginning, at the end he's in this sort of RV, travelling all across the country. Then he takes a turn, he becomes a genius chemist, preventing a chemicals leak at work. Then he's a complete badass FBI agent driving through windows in a 
Ferrari. Then he's this scared Poindexter who's throwing up when he finds out that he's got to go on a mission. This guy, you know, pre- 10 minutes previously was in a dangerous high-speed car chase through the streets of San Francisco. You know, it's just all over the place. And it's not a cipher, I don't think at all. It, it takes it away. It's it, like it, it, him, every time he's in a scene, I think it, it basically ruins it. You've got like kind of Sean Connery who's given a decent performance, which as I mentioned before, there was a, a period, you know, where Sean Connery was just not given good performances. So this is like a return to form for him. And, and I think, <laughs> come on, you're telling me that when he finished Bond, you know, you. his all his you. work was stellar in between. <laughs> it was. Right. It was misunderstood. Right. Don't <laughs> make me get Zardas out, mate. Don't make me get Zardas out. Um, but, you know, and then you've got Nicolas Cage, who's, you know, it's, it's like a bit of a comic, comic relief. Do you know what it reminds me of? The film Judge Dredd, like, you know, right? Because the, the like, original or the remake? The, the original with Sylvester Stallone and um, Stanley Good Goodspeed, film. Film. that character, was like Rob Schneider's character in it. Like this little pithy, bloody comedy sidekick that you just don't need and it just ruins the, 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 the point. But, so I'm detracting massively, but what I was saying is that Sean Connery, uh, John, John Mason, and General Hummel are the only two well-written or at least uh, uh, well-written characters, or they've had something. Um, they've got some sort not, of backstory or some sort of. Not motives. Tony Todd. He's a great actor, but like, <laughs> this is the thing is that most of the cast are, are good, like you know, or, or, or very good, but yeah, all yeah. their characters are shit. So the only reason the, the it's not completely unwatchable is because you've got like captivating performers there, but. You look at all the other characters, just completely underdeveloped, poorly written. As mentioned before, about it being the ultimate sausage fest, there's only one woman in the cast who's essential. Her, 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 her character is just that of being a girlfriend. There's, that's not true. There's a woman in the meeting right at the beginning who literally says one thing, <laughs> and then the camera just cuts away from her, and she's never in the meeting again. Like she's just like, "But can we send planes there?" And it's just like, "Yes, we can. Thank you very much, woman." <laughs> and, and, just, and it just carries on. <laughs> there's also. How oh, did a woman get in here? Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to be a secure location. Uh, there's something as well, which I think is, is typical of 80s and 90s uh, action films. There's a character who's a hairdresser, and his the, the, the whole thing is just a joke. Their character, the whole thing is that they're effeminate, and, and that's it. You know, it's like, oh God, look at this person. Can you believe that somebody like this would exist? You know, and that the whole thing is just played for laughs. Their entire being. Yeah, there's a lot of macho. There's a lot of macho stuff. There's a chief staff right at the beginning as well and that there's a lot of macho stuff like he, he asks two pretty fairly obvious questions in my mind and they're just like who are you you idiot do you know what i mean like get out of here you've never served in a military status you know you, you're useless but, okay yeah. um right, i'm gonna cut that off there but there's just one more final question i want to ask actually and that is about the the ending so what's the ending satisfying and i don't want to go into too much of a debate um, but uh, Dave, what do you think? Yes, definitely satisfying. At one point, Michael Bay wanted to do a sequel, but um, he didn't have time to get around to it, and the production company didn't have time to get around to it. So um, he left it open. There was the possibility of a sequel, but you don't need it. The film does tie itself off with a couple of, like, I'd say loose ends. Like, not a cliffhanger ending, but it's just like a nice loose end. It's kind of a nice little whimsical nod to the audience. And it's, uh, yeah, it ties itself off perfectly. Could have had a sequel, didn't need one. Okay, Gav, you've got a tiny point. 
Yeah, I, I, there was a sequel, National, <laughs> National Treasure. That was the, that's the sequel. <laughs> okay. Um, I just got the tiny point bit as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll wrap it up there unless anybody's got anything burning that they really need to say. Like, last has got something burning, but also relevant to this. Just my, my last thing, you know when you're saying about a satisfying ending, the way the bad guys get their comeuppance in the end, like Tony Todd gets fired out by a rocket after a quip and gets impaled on a big post. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they are quite, one guy gets the chemical VX gas put in his mouth and smashed and the others go into a Mexican standoff. So that actual ending where they, where they all get the comeuppance, you are like, oh yeah, I mean, man, Tony, Tony Todd got fucked up, you know? <laughs> go on, How fucking dare you? How dare you talk about Tony Todd like that? Uh, once again, they're overly directed. You know, like you've got oh. that scene of Tony Todd. Would have been good. He lands on the spike oh. and then it's lingering. It lingers there for it about five linger. seconds. It doesn't it linger. It's Everybody not five seconds. Lingers. That is just not factually it's true. It's like, not five seconds. It's not five seconds. I understand the point. Who, who's got a quiz? I do. I do. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I do. I, I'm going to be honest. I um, I was told yesterday, it was thrown out there, wasn't it? Who's going to write the quiz? And I said, oh, yeah. what I, have you been doing since yesterday? I stepped up and I said, I would definitely write the quiz. And then I don't know if, da- I think Dave saw it, but when Gav was like, the quiz has been brought by Alex, my eyes just went like massive on me. And like, I've, totally forgotten. So, yeah, I've, I've banged together a quiz. I do apologize. I've been very busy the last couple of days. So, you know. Um, it's not Pornhub's free now. <laughs> Is it? Right. The watch itself. Okay. Um, so, Michael Bay is one of a few directors to have ever won multiple Razzie Awards, the awards they give for, you know, it's like the anti-Oscars, basically. Um, how many do you think he has won? Five? No, for oh. 15. <laughs> Fifteen. Okay, Aussie wins. It was two. They were in the same franchise. Can anyone tell me what franchise they think that would have been? Yeah, was it the um, the massive robot thing? Transformers. Transformers. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Joel. It was the massive robot thing, Transformers. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> what is the favourite film? What is Michael Bay's favourite film that he's ever directed? Transformers 3. Not Transformers 3. It was, uh, was it not this one? It was this one. It is Michael Bay's <laughs> favourite one. Well done, Gav. You win the point for saying that this is Michael Bay's favourite film. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, we do know who, who Michael Bay is, don't we? Yeah. One of the worst directors of all time. Who has well, Michael Bay said is his favourite actor that he's ever worked with? Nicholas Cage. No. Is it Sean Connery? It is Sean Connery. Well done, Joel. I'll give this you the is point. This man who is obviously mentally unstable. <laughs> it's my quiz. I'm in charge. It's right. Like um, saying, oh, my favourite case of food poisoning that I ever had was this. <laughs> um, now, for Pearl Harbor, Michael Bay actually shot over one million feet of film. One million feet of film. Why? He actually ended up only using a, a, a secret website, and he just <laughs> what, 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 he, what he meant to say there is he actually shot over. He, he put on film one million feet, and he's got a special <laughs> website. Where, so he makes all his money. He's putting <laughs> bit by bit. It's an interesting way of doing it. Uh, how many feet of film did he actually use in the final uh, cut? So he, he shot one million. How many feet? Gav's going for six. <laughs> I'm going to go for 200,000 
Yeah, I reckon it's still well. I mean, how long is the film? Three hours. Mm-hmm. It's fifty-four per second. Twenty-four per second. Too lazy to work it out. So <laughs> I don't know how big a piece of film is either. Yeah, seven hundred thousand. Seven hundred thousand. And Aussie? I'm gonna say six hundred thousand. Okay, Joel, you get it for 200,000. It was 20,000 feet in the end. 20,000 oh, feet. My God. Film out of one million. What was his budget uh, for the attack on Pearl Harbor? I thought, oh, 20 well. mil. I'm going to go 20 for mil. 15 mil. 35 mil. Say again, Dave. 35 mil. Okay. Let's say seven. Oh, 7.5. Well done, Aussie. Oh, 7.5 wow. million. Nice. Very well, nice. Well, this is what just we're spending on uh, coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aussie. <laughs> I, no, I don't think we do the badum. <laughs> 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 we play that in reverse, Aussie, so we can take it away. <laughs> and last one. Uh, which, made, which film made him the youngest director to have ever reached the billion dollar mark worldwide? Armageddon. Gav is right with Armageddon. Well done, Gav. Nice. Cotting up these scores. That is the that is the end of the quiz. <laughs> like I'm, I'm impressed that I managed to get that. Many, I'm, I'm impressed that I managed to get that many questions during and argue at the same time. And it was Aussie that wins because well done, Aussie superstar. Okay. Thanks for that, Lucy. That was a nice little uh, distraction. Hey, welcome. Um, it's been a while since I've judged a film, to be honest, and, and I've missed it. You know, I've missed the feeling of power of just being too much, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just listening to people rather than, rather than having to uh, actually speak myself. Uh, but onto the actual film, you know, a lot of what you said kind of put a smile on my face, really, in, in, in a good way, I think. You know, when Alex was describing what happened to, um, you know, the bad guys in the film, I can't remember that happening, but it sounds like something I'd honestly enjoy. Um, <laughs> in terms of the, the bad points, you know, Ozzy watching this film probably for the first time, not being uh, tainted, if you like, as a child watching <laughs> watching films like this pure, kind of with fresh eyes. <laughs> um, you know, he made some interesting points that it, it's very similar to, to films these days, but then Dave countered that by saying, well, that's because a lot of films kind of took, uh, you know, maybe influence from, from this film and not, you know, not the other way around type of thing. So I think there's... Um, there's definitely some some bad points to be had. You know, I don't think anybody who sees a film starring Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, and it's an action film goes into it with, um, you know, massive, massive expectations, expecting the acting to be top-notch and the plot to just be bulletproof in terms of no plot holes and, and that type of thing. But, you know, I think what sold it for me is just the fact that it sounds fun. And I think that's kind of what 90s action is all about. And especially with some of the poor dialogue, I know for a fact that some of Gav's favourite films have got in, insanely <laughs> poor dialogue. So I, th I think for those reasons, it's going to go on the hit list. Oh, good one. Good one, Joel. Made the right call. 
I, I was laughing because Joel said that some of the things that you guys were saying put a smile on his face in a good way. And then I was thinking to myself, how would you get a smile on your face in a bad way? Because what if you say like a really bad joke and then you're like, oh, you're mm. kind of still smiling. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking more like if uh, uh, Heath Ledger's just joker in the dark night. <laughs> okay um right okay so genuine opinions everyone um so uh, i suppose to start with the defense sean connery's biggest fan alex yeah he smashed out of the park on this one i i i really enjoy the film it's daft it's stupid but it's fun it's exactly what joel said you're going to enjoy watching it again if you haven't seen it for a while and it's fun to laugh at and and enjoy it in its in equal measure. It's it's good enough that you know you don't get bored. So yeah, a lot of fun. Okay, and uh, now over to Nicholas Cage's biggest fan. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with pretty much everything I said. Um, leave your brain at the door. This is just a fun, enjoyable action film. Nothing more to it than that. Harmless fun. Okay, and uh, now myself, Tony Todd's biggest fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I did enjoy it, to be honest. I think it's it's one of those films that, as Joel said before, you know what you're going to get out of this film. And it was quite difficult at points to pick out bits that I would really not like about it. Because even the shit bits, you know, I enjoy because I, I like <laughs> yeah, shit yeah. films. You know, like some of the cheesy bits, the lines, you know, some of the dialogue. It is just like, oh, this is not good, but yeah, I'm enjoying it still. And, uh, you know, that's, that's it. So even, even the bad bits you can enjoy. So yeah, I, I did like it. And, and honestly, what did you think yourself? Um, the same, actually. I thought I quite enjoyed it, even though I, I do think it's a shit film though. Um, I probably would have put it on the shit list, but it, it was enjoyable. Um, but yeah, just for all the same reasons is that you've got to, you've got to forget what you, you know, don't go in there trying to think it's going to be an, it's going to be an intelligent watch. It's not. Um, but yeah, it's entertaining. It's like, but it's going to watch Die Hard. Same sort of vibe. It's just entertaining action fest, action yep. after action after action. If you've just watched Cloud Atlas, the perfect <laughs> film to watch. <laughs> the perfect film to watch is well, The Rock. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a Clalic palette cleanser. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ends of the scale. Yeah. <laughs> well, enough, Alex. Uh, higher or lower, as you just mentioned, than our last film on trial, which was Cloud Atlas, which scored sixty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, higher, but not a lot yeah. more, but higher. Everyone say, say higher. higher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say lower. Um. Well, draw uh, wrong. It's the exact same. Oh, wow. uh, 66 Whoa. so the rock is as good as cloud atlas <laughs> uh, no but i will say that the audience score is around 85 um but we don't know just how many of those votes alex and dave submitting themselves <laughs> um, but uh, once again i put up a poll on twitter over the weekend and asked our friends and followers which list they think that the rock should be placed on uh quite similar to rotten tomatoes to be honest 68 percent of our listeners deciding that it should be placed on the hit list bless you ozzy uh, 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 before we move on to caption contest, does anybody have any trivia about this? I've read. I, I have loads of trivia about this film. I, 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 to Dave, t- tell me this is true. I read some very interesting trivia uh, in 2016. Like the Chilcot report on Britain's involvement in the Iraq War noted <laughs> that one agent who falsified claims about observing weapons of mass destruction in Iraq had based his description of them on the nerve gas missiles used in this film. Oh, really? That is no. true. That is oh, true. That genuinely God. happened to me. Yeah. That is bad, isn't it? Oh my. That is Bad. Bad. So basically, if you'd had people, you know, in intelligence who 
knew a bit, bit, bit more about films that have been like, hang on a minute, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> hang on a tick. Are you saying that we could have done a better job? <laughs> it does sound a little yeah. bit like, you know, I hope none of our old, our old teachers are listening, but, uh, you know, I certainly base my English creative writing on a well-known video game. <laughs> <laughs> if that teacher had even Sonic played any type of video game. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> it was the fact that... Tetris. The fact that <laughs> I remember I was, I was in Joel's English class as he wrote a story about Max Payne, basically, <laughs> by, by copying the video game Max Payne. But the fact is someone else in the same class did the exact same story <laughs> and he still got away with it. But, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, brilliant. Right. Okay, so uh, Dave, did you have any any trivia? I mean, any um, topic of trivia. I have one of my favourite bits of oh. trivia. Okay, from this was um, Michael Bay was obviously quite a young director when he got given this role, and the producers were really on his case about it. They didn't trust him with the project at all, so he kept on being summoned to. I think they were Walt Disney executives actually kept on being yeah. summoned to meet with the producers. Um, um, one of them, Sean Connery, who was just finishing certainly going to play golf for the day. Asked him where he was going. Said he had to go explain the progress to the producers. So Sean Connery asked if he could go with went into this boardroom with him dressed in his golfing get up and berated this board of Walt Disney executives telling him to back off Michael Bay leave him alone he's doing a good job so that's just the mental image I think makes that one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. bits of trivia just this this team of executives just like stage fright <laughs> yeah. Sean Connery shouts at them to leave Michael Bay alone <laughs> with his big socks up and his like that's what I'm hoping. And stuff like that. <laughs> I, I imagine him with like checkered vests and like yes. a beret yeah. and that sort of yeah just like tradition golfing game. Yeah. <laughs> but also a nine iron as well just yeah. make sure. <laughs> and, and also a caddy okay, stood so behind him just like <laughs> but so um uh now uh, you could have the same thing with tony todd going in with his hook <laughs> <laughs> um now uh, so before we call it a day it's time for a caption contest so what i do here is i take a screenshot of the film put it on twitter ask our friends and followers to submit a funny caption with the best one winning a frog-shaped chocolatey treat uh, with the caveat being that they will be sent out once lockdown is over. Um, so there's a, a, a backlog of frogs. Apologies. Um, so you guys have just got to pick the best one. The scene in question is Nicolas Cage's Stanley Goodspeed jumping to catch one of the um, the green balls that contains uh, the nerf yeah. gas, yeah, which is about to roll off the top of a building. Okay, so uh, and you guys have just got to pick the funniest one from number one. We have it. Visual proof of the moment. Nicholas Cage lost his marbles. <laughs> um, uh, number two, leaping for the f- leaping for the last meal. Re- re- uh, no, I don't know what the hell that means. Leaping for the last meal replacement gel on the store shelf. I'm sorry, that's it's probably an American thing. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, next is it one. not like a lockdown thing? Because we're all it's a know, lockdown thing. All of the food. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, right. Sorry. Uh, right. Uh, next one. Nick didn't really understand that a bath bomb doesn't really carry the same impact as C4. Uh, <laughs> uh, flubber, flubber, you get back here right now. <laughs> okay, Nick, pretend this ball is your career and action. <laughs> uh, the last bottle of hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Wilson <laughs> I'm going to go for the marbles one that was pretty yeah, cool I like the marbles one as well Same. I'm going to say pretend this is your career but I like the marbles one too okay well <laughs> congratulations to our good friends Dead Daniel Podcast they've just won themselves a Flippity Freddo oh okay uh, they're doing alright in the lockdown I, are they in lockdown over there? yeah they are yeah well let's see um, 
this is very interesting because I was actually chatting to them um, yesterday and because I asked them if they'd received a gift that I'd sent to them after the, a, a guest appeared on one of their episodes. Love Actually, by the way, check it out. Was um, it Fredo? <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, no, it wasn't Fredo. It was, it was actually, uh, well, I won't spoil it, but it was a DVD that I've made you all watch, which I thought was very, very bad. Bula uh, Quo. <laughs> I, said, I said I wasn't going to spoil it. It's a copy of Bula Quo, right, which I'm trying to make transatlantic at the moment. But um, no, they said they had received it, and I was and I was like, oh, that's a bit annoying. And they said, well, to be honest, we've never received any of the Freddos that you've ever sent either. So I've got no idea where the hell all their Freddos have been going. I like the way we're all starting to look at each other like... It's <laughs> <laughs> a real conspiracy. <laughs> so, yeah, so what I might just do is just send them uh, a, a packet or, like, or a box of, of like 20-odd Freddos or something to uh, to cover the last a few cases. <laughs> 20 copies of Bulaquo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Uh, so the next film has not been picked out of the heart of random and instead will be a new release. Uh, so obviously there's nothing new at the cinema, uh, so we'll be reviewing a Netflix release instead, um, and it's the Netflix-produced action film with Chris Hemsworth. It's called Out of the Fire. Got no idea what the hell Ooh. it's about, but uh, fingers crossed, it's all right. I think it's referring to Life After Marvel. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually a documentary, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, uh, okay, so the roles have been picked out of the heart of random. So in the role of defense is going to be Joel and me. In the role of prosecution is going to be Austin and Dave. And in the role of judge is going to be Alex. Uh, so yeah, thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. If you like the episode, please remember to like, share and subscribe. Why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well while you're there. Uh, just remember to spread the warm love that is Films on Trial as many years as possible. And check us out on all the social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Film Trials or Films on Trial. And yeah, that's it, essentially. The Rock is a hit, and we will be in your ears next week with whatever the hell I just said. Goodbye.